Well, happy Mother's Day. It's a special day in so many ways for our household. Um, on our way in, about the place that the, saw a wreck almost every Sunday driving in, uh, around Lindale, we called and wished my mom happy Mother's Day. My wife, who is a fantastic mother, is here today, and I'm thankful that she came to be with me. She was here when I started, and she's here at the finale, and uh, we've had a lot of things go on. We've moved. We've moved my parents into a retirement facility near us, and things have been kind of crazy for us. But in many ways, I've been blessed to be a part of your life. It's been, uh, it's been nine months. I thought it would be ten. The search team did an outstanding job, and they got their work done a little bit ahead of schedule. And I had about three or four uh, possibilities for sermons this morning from uh, the Macedonian Maturity Series. But we've got one, I think, that's slotted in. It's been an interesting journey together. I've come to love and appreciate so many of you and gotten to know a lot of you pretty well. And this is the hard part of being an interim. It's about time you get to know folks, know where everything is, and know what you're supposed to do and all that. It's time to go. But it's uh, also like being an obstetrician. Because you get to help a church give birth. And uh, it takes about nine months. And I'm going to deliver you a bright, shiny, new baby boy here in a couple of weeks. And I'm excited about that. The, the search team really did the work. I, I just coached. And Jimmy and that team did a phenomenal job. They were so focused and so passionate. And uh, they probably know as much about your church as anybody except for Jody. Uh, I think everybody on the search team was surprised how much better Jody knew the church website than anybody in the church here does. Because when a preacher gets ready to move a young family, uh, he's entrusting the well-being of his wife and his children and their safety their emotional and spiritual safety to a group of people. And they don't do that lightly. Guys don't move for a bigger church or a better job anymore. They move for mission in a place that their family can be safe and partnered. And so I'm excited for you. We'll talk about that a little more later. But it's been a good journey. But I want to tell you that this is not farewell. This is the beginning of something for you guys that I think is exciting and it doesn't mean I'm out of your hair. I'm going to still be in touch with your elders. This is kind of our ascent to reach that point where you can look over the edge and peek into your future and see where God is leading you. And there's a couple of things that are going on behind the scenes. There's some talk with Jody about what his focus is going to be this first hundred days with you guys. And then a challenge to the elders and the deacons and the, the mission group that has been working on the seven commitments. 
to align things so that when you hit next September, you're ready to go on specific things to live out your mission. That doesn't mean you're treading water till then, but it means you want to ramp it up. About the time Jody's here this time next year, we'll have been here about a year, you want to be ready to launch into very specific go get them, mooey sick them, get after it, do great stuff for the kingdom of God that's rooted in who you are and his passions. And I'm excited for that. But it's also the hardest Sunday of the whole year for a preacher to preach. It's Mother's Day. Because if you get too emotional, then everybody's crying and then they're kind of hacked off at you. Even though it's kind of a sentimental hack off. And then there's all the other stuff that goes on. You know, some of you are worried about mothers that have lost a spouse, and I know what that's like. Some of you are worried about mothers that don't belong to Jesus yet. I don't know what that's like, but I know what it's like to have people I dearly love that are not quite home to Jesus yet. There are others that are missing moms, others that have had difficult experiences with moms. There's Lots of young mothers that deeply love their mother but don't know how to get along with her very well. And then there are women that want to be moms that the gift hasn't come yet. And we know what that's like in our family. So we're going to ask God to enter into this moment. We're going to talk a little bit about Lois and Eunice. We did this a little bit in December, but... This time we're going to focus in a little bit different place. Let's invite the Holy Spirit in. Oh, Father, such sweet people. And I thank you for our journey together. And I pray for their new beginning. And I pray for Jody and the Garners coming and that family partnering with this church. And I ask that you be with them, with so many changes that have gone on and will go on in the near future, I pray that the Holy Spirit will continue to lead the hearts of these people. And today we thank you for moms. We thank you for what they mean to us, for our grandmoms and what they mean to us and how already in this assembly we've heard lots of kids talking and chattering and crying out and bouncing up and down and hugging and loving and all the stuff that goes with Mother's Day. And we don't want to get in the way of that love, but we want your Holy Spirit to inform all of us how to take an example of mothering and apply it to disciple-making. So, Holy Spirit, we invite you into this moment and we ask you to make it more than my words and more than just a recollection of the stuff that's in Scripture. But we pray you make this holy and a blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. We want to talk a little bit about uh, Lois and Eunice because it's Mother's Day and Grandmother's Day. And I, I want us to acknowledge you guys have got a young minister coming in, kind of about Timothy's age when Paul wrote First and Second Timothy. And in addition, I want us to be appreciative of an incredible set of women that shaped our faith because we're in the lineage of Paul and Timothy and all that went on with them. 
And Timothy's witness is only a witness because of his grandmother and his mother. His father wasn't a Jew. He, he didn't grow up in a household where there was a father to lead at Passover. He didn't have a father to look up to as someone to, to give him the things of faith. So his grandmother and his mother stepped in and they did a good can we say good job? They did a good job. So here's the biblical text. If you want to follow along, this is from 2 Timothy. And then we're going to be in Philippians in, in, uh, in a few minutes. And so those are going to be the two places that we're going to go from. But Paul says, Timothy, I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. I am persuaded... Now, I am persuaded now that this same faith lives in you also. And then he gets to the end of the letter. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and remember those from whom you've learned it. And how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures that are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Now, this is at the end of Paul's life. He wants Timothy to kick it up a notch or two. He wants Timothy to realize that Paul's not going to be around much longer. He's even going to say, I'm ready to die. I'm going to be executed. Get to me as soon as you can. I need you here. I need your support. But until you get here, you raise it up a notch or two. Because you're now the torchbearer. I'm not going to be here. You're now the one to carry things forward. And you remember that incubator that your faith was born in and raised in and nurtured in. Don't look at me. Look past me to the ones who from infancy taught you this. Now, why is all this important? Because in Acts 16, on Paul's second missionary journey, he comes back to some places he had visited before. And one of those places he visited had a family. And that family had come to Christ. A grandmother, a mother, and a son. Lois, Eunice, and Timothy came to Christ on that first missionary journey. And on the second missionary journey, Paul came to Derby and then to Lystra, where Timothy and Lois and Eunice were from, where a disciple named Timothy lived. His mother was Jewish and a believer, but whose father was a Greek. The believers in Lystra and Iconium spoke well of Timothy. Paul wanted to take Timothy along for the journey. Now remember on the first journey, John Mark abandoned them. And so when they start the second missionary journey, Barnabas takes John Mark. Paul chooses Silas, but he doesn't have that younger person to mentor like John Mark on the first missionary journey. So he wants to choose Timothy. And so Timothy was spoken well of. As they traveled from town to town, they delivered the decision reached by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem for the people to obey. So the churches were strengthened in faith and grew daily in numbers. Now, this leaving from Lystra speaks more to the power of motherhood and grandmotherhood than any of us often gather in. We don't capture the emotion. I hope we get some of that as we look at the message today.
The thing I want us to know is that Paul the Apostle comes to a place he knows and he calls Timothy to go with him. That doesn't seem like that big a deal, does it? Some of you have had kids go off on mission trips to long, far-off places, right? But I still remember Tex Williams. Some of you probably have heard of Tex Williams. Taught in the Sunset School of Missions, later moved to Austin, was head of World Bible School, was one of my elders. And I have a picture, and you've seen this picture, and it shows Jesus doing this, and behind him come the apostles, and every time he saw that picture, he cried. And the reason he cried is he said, I still remember getting on a steamer to go to South Africa and waving goodbye to my parents and knowing that I wouldn't see them again for three years. And I didn't know if they would still be living. I didn't know if, if, if something would happen to me. We couldn't communicate. It wasn't easy to fly. It was way too expensive. And it was going to take us three weeks, three weeks to get to our destination. Everything's going to be up in the air. And I remember my daddy trying so hard not to cry. Big tears running down his cheeks as we waved goodbye. That was within the lifetime of some of you in this room. But think about when Paul left with Timothy. No phone, much less internet. No steamer, much less an airplane. No satellite communications. Huge distance. Uncertainty. And yet... Those two women that loved this young man, that had nurtured his faith, they waved goodbye to him as he walked out of town down a dusty road with the Apostle Paul. I don't know how long they stood there watching, but I know that my mom watched me drive down the street and over the hill when I went to college, and I can't imagine Lois and Eunice not sitting there watching them walk away, what that meant. And when Paul called Timothy to go, it impacted the mom that had nurtured the faith in Timothy. Because do you remember what happened in Lystra the first time Paul preached there? We mentioned this in December. You remember? Paul preached... And he got such a powerful response to the invitation that they stoned him and left him for dead outside of town. They thought he was dead, and they walked back into town. And somewhere along the way, Paul came too, got up, and walked back into town and continued his missionary journey. Now, as a mom, you may have had some arguments with Daddy about how much to let your kids do. I know my mom and dad argued over how much to let me do. I was born an asthmatic. My dad had no holes, no holes on me. I could be all boy, but my mom worried about me because she was the one that took care of me and helped me do breathing treatments and all that stuff in the middle of the night. So I grew up full bore boy. 
I got a fractured neck or a broken neck and a fractured back to prove I'm all 100% boy. But it wasn't easy on my mom. But my mom never waved by to me as a teenager to go off with a man that had been stoned and left for dead knowing the risk of what he was about to do. There was never an inkling that what her son was about to go do was going to be easy or simple or safe. Those are all things that we wrestle with. In fact, a missionary once told me that only in America, and I've come to see this is true, do we have an assumption that we have a right to be safe. It's really a myth. We can't protect our kids. We can steer them. We can do some things, but life is bigger and more dangerous than that. And besides, kids are going to explore the wild edges of the things of life. So let's give them some wild things to explore that relate to the kingdom. Paul called Timothy to go. And not only did Lois and Eunice let him go, but they were supportive. That's the hardest thing about being a parent, isn't it? I don't understand it as a mom, but I understand it as a dad how hard it is to let a kid go. But you have to let them go. But you know, they weren't on that missionary trip long after Paul called him to go that Paul sent Timothy to help. And this is where Mother's Day intersects with young minister that you're about to receive. You know how old Timothy was when Paul sent him to the church at Thessalonica to help him? If Timothy was under 30, which is the difference between a young man and an old man in their society, when Paul wrote 1st and 2nd Timothy, Timothy had to be a young guy when Paul sent him to Thessalonica. Paul, in this passage that you see in front of you, says, I was worried about you, and Paul had been run out of town there. Remember, <clears throat> on this missionary journey, the first place they go, Paul and Silas are thrown in jail. That's what Lois and Eunice were trusting their son with, was a jailbird. He had been beaten and thrown into jail, and then they go to Thessalonica, and in Thessalonica, they're run out of town after three or four weeks. <coughs> And so Paul couldn't go back. So he sends a kid that is somewhere between 18 and 20 years old, probably closer to 18. Think about that a minute. What if IMP had sent you an 18-year-old minister to come help you find a preacher? You'd have spit him out and sent him home, wouldn't you? Why, he, did, he he's not even dry behind the ears yet. He's not even, uh, he, he doesn't have a family. He doesn't, he, he's too young. In a culture that respected elders far more than ours, Paul sent a teenager to strengthen a church under persecution. I think that's impressive. And it's a reminder that we don't, Ask too much of our kids in any area related to spirituality. 
We'll expect them to be good in sports. We'll be, we expect them to be good in school. We expect them to be good in extracurricular. We expect them to be good in band if that's their thing. We parade that. We emphasize that. We focus on that. But the place we don't expect this spirituality is in our kids. Except you've been corrected in that. Think of the young people that have come through here that have been outstanding, that have done things for Jesus and how they've reminded you of true faith. That's why Paul said to Timothy, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, but set the, ex- the believers an example in faith and love and in purity. And so Paul sent Timothy to help. Lois and Eunice influence on this boy had gotten him ready spiritually they're getting ready to send him off with somebody on a dangerous mission had sobered him to maturity that made him useful paul the apostle called timothy he sent timothy but he also used timothy as an example set the believers an example in faith love and purity you betcha paul told the philippians i hope in the lord jesus to send timothy to you And I hope to do that soon. Why? Because I want to be cheered when I receive news about you. That's one reason. What's the second reason? I've got nobody like him. Everybody else looks out for their own interest only, but but Timothy, he looks out for the interest of other people, for their welfare. Do you know where that passage comes? In the middle of an argument in Philippi, Paul used the Christ hymn, the Jesus song that we talked about a couple of weeks ago. Have this mind in yourself which you find in Christ Jesus. And one of the examples he gives next to Jesus is this one, Timothy. I'm sending Timothy because he's like Jesus. I'm sending him to you. So Paul called Timothy to go. Lois and Eunice said, go. Their influence on Timothy prepared him to be ready to help the church at Thessalonica when he was a teenager. And so Paul could use him even later to send him to Philippi. And he reminded the Philippians of that time when that teenage boy was among them. And he was an example to them of Jesus. Part of those things is why Timothy did have a spiritual father. Lois and Eunice were his mothers and grandmother. But his daddy is not in the picture in terms of faith. Just like some kids in this church don't have daddies that are influences in terms of faith. And that's when Paul said, it's my job. He's one of the church kids. He belongs to me and he's going to be my son in the faith. And so Paul could tell Timothy, he says, you know that, or he could tell the Philippians, you know that Timothy has proved himself because as a son with a father, he has served with me in the work of the good news of Jesus. To the Corinthians, he could say, for this reason, I sent to you, Timothy, my son in the faith. He's somebody I love. He is my boy. But he's not just my boy, he's faithful to Jesus. 
He will remind you of the things that I've taught. My way of life. And that way of life agrees with Jesus. The same Jesus I teach everywhere in the church. Part of the reason he was an example of Jesus was because of his relationship with Paul who developed him and he nurtured him. And so when Paul got to the end of his life and he's getting ready to leave, he wants to point Timothy in this same direction. The direction that his mother and his grandmother, Lois and Eunice, had pointed him. The same direction that Paul had pointed him. And it's a, a, a mission that I'm placing in your hands today. He tells Timothy, you then, my son, be strong in the grace which is yours in Christ Jesus. And the things that you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable people who can teach others. Now, I underline some things in that passage because I want you to see a principle. I mentioned it in December, but I'm leaving this as your charge before God. I want you to notice there are four generations represented here. The first generation, Paul, or Lois. Second generation, Timothy, who is going to be the role of Eunice to other people, who entrust the message to reliable people, generation three, who in turn can teach others to live this way of life. There are two kinds of teaching. There's a kind of teaching that we do that's weird in the history of humanity, where you stick people in a box, and you put them in rows, and you have a board at the front, and you teach them data. And you cram as much data into gray matter as you can because you know after they're 18, they're escaping the box. We expect teachers to do a lot of that. So some of them are Sunday school teachers at church and some of them are teachers in the school district. But we all know you've only got them trapped for 18 years in the box. So you try to cram as much data into them. But that's not the way God chose to teach. Do you ever think about that? How'd you learn about life? Well, by living it, of course. Yeah. But who helped you live it? Who gave you the guardrails for the early years? Your parents, your mom. Who helped you process the stuff that happened? I can remember I was not a very fast runner. And I, I come from a lineage of fast people. My dad held the record in Dallas for the 100-yard dash and the long jump, and I couldn't outrun my brothers when I was 12, and I had one of them that was six years younger than me. I was small but slow. Great combination for a cornerback. But I was mean on a bike. And so I remember I got this new banana seat for my bike that had springs in it. And it had 24-inch wheels, not those little 20-inch wheels, those little girly boy bikes, you know, that all my buddies rode, and I could smoke them. 
And so we were racing, and we were racing on new asphalt. And I was so confident, I didn't wear shoes or a shirt. I was just in cut-off jeans. And I was smoking them until I made that last corner, and there was a little gravel there. I had a strawberry from my little toe to a puncture in the top of my head when I hit a rock. My mom tended to me, and she helped me debrief on my stupidity. (laughs) Any moms ever debriefed a stupid kid? Now, I know when they're born, they're brilliant, and I know when they graduate, they're brilliant, but somewhere in the middle, they're stupid. I know we're not supposed to use that word, and I apologize to every parent that won't let their child say that, but I'm saying it about me. She debriefed my stupid. And she did it with my broken hearts. And she did it with my spiritual struggles when I drove them crazy trying to understand how long eternity was. And I have the faith I have because of my Lois and my Eunice. What I'm asking you as a church to do is to not just live for this generation, but for this generation to pass on their faith to their grandchildren. We know, and Bruce has done this in his youth ministry here, that kids need folks in between them and their parents to sponsor them on trips, to talk them through stuff and certain things to be an example to them. And they need to experience their faith in action, whether it's on a trek or a camp or doing some mission work, to debrief that and help put faith in the bones of activities. I know that the Camp Deer Run emphasis in Ty's ministry is connecting the kids in that crucial time, speaking life into them. So I would remind you that the most education you give your kids is not in that room, although it's important to get data. It's being involved in helping them experience faith. Lois and Eunice are heroes because without them, there wouldn't have been a Timothy. And without a Timothy, there wouldn't have been an us. This morning... We say thank you to every Lois and Eunice. I posted to Facebook. I don't know if that's legal in this church during the middle of worship. But I looked back and there was a grandmother with two kids in her arms. I didn't get permission and I don't know that anybody knows those kids. But I said, it's my last Sunday at Longview and it's Mother's Day. And this is a perfect picture. (laughs) If I could have waited a little longer, I could have gotten the bounce me dad in front Uh, and gotten the whole picture, but I didn't have quite enough time. Those are treasures. And the most precious gift we have is not our children, but our children's children as they get ready to have their own and want them to know Jesus. So I challenge this church, don't live for the next generation to have faith but the generation after the next generation to pass on their faith.
That's what it's all about. Jesus' last words were go make disciples. That's not students. But that's people formed to be like Jesus. And that only happens in families and churches where life is real. I don't know, maybe you got hornswoggled into being in church today. I know Mother's Day is a good day to get some uh, folks uh, in church that hadn't been in church a while. If you're here and you really know it's time to get back connected to Jesus, we're going to have a song. There'll be some elders in the back, and it'll be a great time for you to come. It's a great time. And even if you don't want to say it to somebody up front or in the whole church, it's a good time to say it to somebody in your family and say, I, I really not only love you, but I love the Jesus in you that I've seen, and I want that Jesus too. It's a great time to make that commitment as we stand and sing.